Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We have a special guest in segment two today. We're going to be talking about one of our favorite subjects, Mr. Carl Rove. We'll be talking to Joseph Mealy about his DVD, which is out now entitled Bush's Brain. That should be very interesting in segment number two. Bush's Brain was a book, and a pretty good one, by James Moore and Wayne Slater. And now it's a very good DVD as well. Joseph Mealy was producer and director of it, and we're glad to have him talk to us in segment two. So stay tuned for that. Today's date is August 25th, and on this date in history, in 1580... Spanish forces defeated the Portuguese at the Battle of Alcantara, and as a result, Portugal got to suffer the indignity of becoming one of the first Spanish colonies. And like all other Spanish colonies, suffered under her ham-fisted mismanagement. Fortunately, my people were able to regain their freedom somewhat later. After, under Spanish benign neglect, they lost most of their empire. On this date in 1873, Matthew Webb, an English merchant navy captain, became the first known person to swim unaided across the English Channel. Captain Webb accomplished uh, the grueling 21-mile crossing, which actually involved about 39 miles of swimming due to the currents, in 21 hours, 45 minutes. He later, unfortunately, met uh, his end while trying to swim under Niagara Falls through the rapids. A fatal endeavor. Our quote of the day, and we may have used this before, but it's worth using again, comes from an email by our friend Bill Wagman, fellow DJ here at KDVS. Uh, Bill likes to quote Bertrand Russell in his emails when he said, The trouble with the world is the stupid are cocksure and the intelligent are full of doubt. And I guess our jokes from the day are going to be embedded in the Good Week 4, Bad Week 4 section of the Week magazine, which we're happy to report was an excellent uh, sampling this week, as follows. It apparently was a Good Week 4 loopholes this week after two straight men in Canada announced their engagement. Bill Dalrymple, 56, and his best friend Brian Pinn, 65, both previously married to women, will enjoy tax benefits under Canada's new same-sex marriage legislation. Yes, again, two straight men announcing their engagement for tax purposes. It, however, was a bad week for Till Death Do Us Part, after a man pulled away from a gas station in Pissarro, Italy, and realized six hours and 200 miles later that he had forgotten his wife, who'd been using the restroom. Here's one we have to ask Jeff Kravitz about. It was judged a good week for late risers after a German law expert declared that the universal practice of reserving beach and pool chairs by draping them in towels 
is not legally binding. People should be free, he said, to remove the towels and sit down. We would like to note for the record that in Germany, it's much rarer to find people in possession of handguns. And finally, it was a bad week for overdoing it after a 28-year-old South Korea man collapsed and died following a 50-hour video game session. We presume the cause of death was heart failure stemming from exhaustion, said police. I'm so All right, not coming from the Week magazine, but something that probably should have been included in the Good Week for Bad Week uh, for file. Might be an article from the B, revealing that Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger is uh, proposing a bill. He's getting behind a bill that would require, among other things, first-time sex offenders to wear a global positioning system for life. This is so the whereabouts of every first-time sex offender in the world, I guess, or in the U.S., can be tracked by a bureaucracy. Apparently, if Senate Bill 588 and Assembly Bill 231 don't pass this year, Schwarzenegger said he'll support a comparable ballot initiative filed by the measure's sponsors, Senators George Runner and his wife, Assemblywoman Sharon Runner, both Lancaster Republicans. This item apparently got the, the Sacramento Bee's opinion, uh, opinion editors uh, a little bit fired up. They published a piece saying, Wag that dog, Governor. Got a problem? Get tough on perverts. Noting that on last Tuesday, the governor announced his support for a stupid, costly bill with a dramatic title, the Sexual Predator Punishment and Control Act, Jessica's Law. They noted that, among other things, the bill would require some sex offenders to wear global positioning systems for life, and noting that if the criminal wouldn't pay for it, state taxpayers would. The editors then engaged in a bit of uh, creative writing, trying to reconstruct uh, the capital conversation that must have brought about the governor backing this bill. Schwarzenegger, stabbing a newspaper in his desk. Maria's really mad. How can I get that story about me and Gigi Goyet off the front pages? Paid advisor nodding sympathetically. Why don't we do an event that reinforces your tough guy image? Schwarzenegger. Huh? Paid advisor. You know, something that reminds people you're tough on crime and a family man too. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, like kindergarten cop. Paid advisor. Yeah, with a little robocop thrown in. Schwarzenegger. Fantastic. <laughs> well, the Bee published a photo of the governor flanked by legislators and law enforcement officials deep displaying a GPS tracker at a news conference. Now, in a very strange story, I just want to make brief mention of, apparently a, an airliner crashed in Greece. Uh, it was flying from Cyprus to the Greek mainland and uh, went down after apparently suffering an explosive decompression at 36,000 feet or something like that. The last moments of the plane featured apparently a member of the cabin crew who had been taking flying lessons trying to fly the aircraft. They initially assured us there was no act of terrorism involved in this, but it seems clear that, that they couldn't possibly make that statement without further investigation. This remains a mystery. We're going to try and, and look into this. 
Yeah, point of clarification. I guess I guess one of the stewards and the cabin stewards was trying to fly the airplane unsuccessfully. If that's the most uh, mysterious news story of the past week, the the most uh, asinine news story of the last week has to be as follows. Christian broadcaster Pat Robertson has called on the United States to assassinate Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez, calling him, quote, a terrific danger, unquote, bent on exporting communism and Islamic extremism across the Americas. We would like to note that uh, although Chavez has sought closer links with Cuba, and in fact was in Cuba when Pat Robertson made his statement, uh, Robertson did not explain how Venezuela was to be used by Muslim extremists. The U.S. State Department website notes that 98% of the population of Venezuela are Roman Catholic or Protestant. And this also begs the question uh, that I think Pat Robertson was brought up of, who would Jesus assassinate? Yes, that's Christian TV evangelist and former Republican Party uh, candidate for the presidency of the United States. Pat Robertson was unable to make it. He had too many negatives. So it's been up to someone else to become a Christian fundamentalist president of the United States. And we'll be talking a little bit about how that happened here in our second segment when we again uh, discuss Mr. Karl Rove. We should also note, Robertson said, if he thinks we're trying to assassinate him, I think that's what we really ought to go ahead and do. Uh, It's a whole lot cheaper than starting a war. Well, you know, he's right about that. You don't have to spend $200 billion to pull off an assassination. But again, you have to ask uh, where it is in the Bible that uh, Jesus or anyone else recommends assassinating people you don't like. We want to thank uh, Jack for an email about uh, about the upcoming probable pandemic. Um, uh, Jack cited an article you may wish to look up on the web. It was titled, Has Time Run Out? The Coming Avian Flu Pandemic by uh, Mike Davis. It was on Truth Out, the Truth Out website. We mentioned on this show that it's been universally agreed that there will be a pandemic regarding the flu at some point in the future. Just nobody knows whether it'll be uh, this year, next year, or 10 years from now, or you know, perhaps even 50 years from now, but it will come at some point. Uh, we'd like to reiterate the suggestion we made to you, dear listener, that you may wish to get some doses of Tamiflu from your physician. Um, other nations have been stockpiling uh, Tamiflu for the for a potential outbreak, and uh, I think we put reported on this program that uh, the vaccine preliminary indications are that the vaccine against bird flu uh, may be effective. However, um, in the trials that were done earlier this month, they did two doses plus a booster, and since the government's only ordered two million doses of the vaccine, that will only protect four hundred and fifty thousand people, which is about how many physicians there are in the United States. The big worry about uh, about uh, about the bird flu is that uh, it'll undergo a mutation that will allow it to um, to jump from human to human without having an animal intermediary. When that happens, we're going to get a pandemic. In the meantime, again, you might want to consider stocking up a little bit of Tamiflu. It probably will be effective uh, against influenza. And uh, you know, when the tsunami hits, it's it's going to be bad. I want to thank Jack for his email, and also I want to thank uh, Rob for his email which I think I will read to you. Twice on your program, I've heard you speak about the QWERTY and Dvorak keyboards. You've mentioned that the QWERTY keyboard was designed to slow typists down. That is not precisely correct. 
While it is correct that the placement of the keys was designed to prevent the strike arms of manual typewriters from sticking together, this was accomplished by putting common pairs of keys apart from each other on the keyboard. For example, S and T are not right next to each other, nor are C and H. However, the most commonly used keys were put into positions that made them reasonably easy to reach. If you're a touch typist, you can type really fast on the QWERTY keyboard. Typing on a QWERTY keyboard is only slow if you type through the hunt and peck method. Guilty as charged. As for the Dvorak keyboard, there's a good reason why you haven't seen them in stores. The Dvorak keyboard is not a different piece of hardware. It is the same physical keyboard. The Dvorak keyboard is simply a different assignment of letters to the keys. Most computers these days will let you change the keyboard setting to use either QWERTY layout or the Dvorak layout. Go into your control panel and look around. You can probably find the setting. Allegedly, the Dvorak layout is more natural feeling and allows people to type faster. I, however, was taught to touch type using a QWERTY keyboard and could never seem to adapt to the Dvorak layout. I'd like to thank Robert for that and his final paragraph of advice. One last note about touch typing. If you really want to learn to type fast, replace all the keycaps on your keyboard with blank ones that have no letters on them at all. If you cannot see the letters on the keys, looking at your fingers doesn't help. Instead, you learn to keep your eyes on the paper, or these days the screen, and you will learn to recognize the feel of the keys. Eventually, you will learn to type whole words in one swift, complex motion of your hands instead of typing words out letter by letter. In the case of this correspondent, uh, the, the keyword is eventually. We did note recently that, uh, that uh, Andy Rooney has on his to-do list... Learn to touch type after he's written something like 18 books, countless articles, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Andy Rooney, who's been a reporter since World War II, uh, is still getting around to learning how to touch type. But, Rob, thanks again. Hope does spring eternal, and uh, we'll see uh, how I and Andy Rooney can manage. You know, I, I so love that good week for bad week for thing. Here's one. I, this wasn't included in that section, but it also came from the magazine of the week. So uh, I think we'll uh, do another uh, good week for item and, and call it a good week for candor. <laughs> it was noted by a former Brazilian president last week that his country had tried for years to build an atomic bomb. José Sarney said that the military dictatorship that ran the country from 1964 to 1985 had even dug a deep well in a remote area to use for a test explosion. But Sarney, whose election put an end to the dictatorship, had the well sealed and ordered the nuclear program to be scrapped. Sarney said he always denied the existence of the program to avoid sparking a nuclear arms race with neighboring Argentina. The military there has also been pursuing nuclear weapons, he said, but they also denied it. The same as we did. We had uh, Michelle Feynman on the show a couple weeks ago. Her father, Richard Feynman, uh, taught uh, physics down in Brazil, spent some time down in Rio de Janeiro in some very entertaining chapters. But after reading his description of the study of physics in the nation of Brazil, it will not surprise anyone that the Brazilians failed to develop a nuclear bomb. A couple items I found interesting. John Tierney, writing for the New York Times, um, noted that the Transportation Security Administration is uh, reevaluating how it protects us, we the flying public, uh, through its various searches, etc. 
and noted that Congress ignored the lessons from Israel and European countries which have learned the hard way not to rely on government workers to screen airline passengers. The overseas airports switched to private companies and let the national government concentrate on being a watchdog. Tierney spoke with a former TSA official who told him he was amazed at how quickly it had turned into a Soviet-style bureaucracy. It became this centralized, risk-adverse organization trying to create a cookie-cutter model for all the airports in America. Rather than treating every airline passenger as a potential terrorist, you should husband your resources and concentrate on the higher-risk passengers. One nice thing, after losing a couple of Swiss Army knives, they're considering easing up the restriction on pocket knives. Tierney noted in closing that it's also considering a proposal to exempt members of Congress from current screenings. Uh, He said uh, in the end, he will concede that members of Congress are not terrorists, but uh, nobody deserves to stand in the line that's been created more than the politicians who put together the Transportation Security Administration. I would note as a side that in attempting to go to the uh, the, Sacra- the California State Fair this week, I was turned away at the gate because I had a pocket knife in my fanny pack. Uh, I then thwarted the brilliant system they had of screening by taking the pocket knife out of my fanny pack, putting it into my pocket, and then walking in the next available entrance. That was a pretty thorough screening. And I would like to note, any of you out there contemplating going to the uh, California State Fair, I discovered the hard way that when you go in and buy tickets, you can buy, basically, they're 75 cents a pop. You can buy 14 of them for $10. Then went over to the Ferris wheel. I always liked Ferris wheels as a kid. And uh, it was enjoyable going up and around that big wheel and looking over at Sacramento But I discovered that they will charge you five tickets, that's $3.75, and then allow you to go around exactly three times on the Ferris wheel. Other deals at the fair were comparable. If that sounds like a good deal to you, you might want to go check out the California State Fair. But uh, I must say, after living in Sacramento for, I guess it's been now, um, gosh, the last 16 years, it took me 16 years to go to the California State Fair, and after riding the Ferris wheel, it may be a good 16 more before I go back. And a story that dovetails off of John Tierney's suggestion that rather rather than treating every airline passenger as a terrorist, you should husband your resources, concentrate on higher-risk passengers. We would note that in Davis, there's been a forum that's been concerned... um, with the issue that Davis police officers may be practicing racial profiling by disproportionately stopping and arresting African Americans and Latinos. A recent meeting was held where a police official released data for 2005 on arrest indicating that blacks in Davis were arrested or cited at three times the rates of whites and that Latinos were arrested at twice the rates of whites. The obvious question that needs to be asked at this juncture was, Uh, What were the rate of crimes being committed in Davis by blacks and Latinos, respectively, as compared to the white baseline, presumably in Davis, population? Um, If those rates were three and two times, respectively, that of uh, the white population, then those arrests do not represent a, uh, a higher percentage. They represent the appropriate percentage. 
If you got that data, and I'd like to see it, please send it to us at info at radioparallax.com. We need to get out. Let's take a short break and come back and talk to Joseph Meany about Mr. Carl Rove and his DVD entitled Bush's Brain. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and this is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Sacramento. 